All right, I'm, I'm speaking this morning on the topic. On the topic of breakthrough praying. <clears throat> breakthrough praying. So, obviously, at some point, I'm going to have to get to <laughs> saying we should pray and we should believe God. And, and, you know, at some point in your life, you're going to come to a crossroad and you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to pray and believe God for a breakthrough? <laughs> or are you going to not do that? <laughs> And I don't come to this topic lightly by any means. Maybe when I was a younger preacher, maybe I would have had a little bit more fluff and a lot more naivete. <laughs> but I want to tell you that I come to this topic with very, like a very sober heart. And I'll tell you why. A few months, weeks ago, a few weeks ago, a very good friend of mine buried his mother who was young. They had given her months to live, told her she had cancer, and had gone into, a while before it had gone into remission, and then, um, and then it came back, came back super strong, and they said, you know, she's got a couple months to live, and so they had celebrated Christmas before Christmas was, ha- was going to happen because she wasn't going to be around for Christmas, and so she did live longer than they thought, but just a few months longer, and she passed away um, just like weeks ago. And so when I get into, on a stage like this, I don't want you to think that I am unaware of things like that that happen in life, (laughs) or that I have some kind of weird preacher blinders on and I only see um, flowers and rainbows and lollipops and good ship Pollyanna life. Um, But despite that those kinds of things happen in life, (laughs) sometimes the miracle is not that somebody gets healed or doesn't get healed, but it is the fact that God is able through supernatural grace to touch a human heart so that they can go through those kinds of things in life and not only still be standing, having someone close to you like that pass away, having something that's a disappointment in life. Sometimes the miracle is that God touches the human heart So that as you've gone through those things, not only are you still standing, but you're more strong than you were before the experience. There's been times in my life when I have prayed for things and thought for sure God was going to do something and bang, it just didn't work out. And and so I'm, I'm aware of that reality. However, there's been times... When God is just so stinking good (laughs) that I am just blown away that he moves the way he does. A couple weeks ago, my wife had hit her knee at work and she was, maybe it was more like a month ago, I don't know. The older you get, right, you're just kind of like, I don't know if it was last week, last month. That's why your old uncle who told you the fishing story, the fish started out this big you know, by year five, the fish is this big. You know, they had to get people to come help them get it in the boat, right? Because people tend to exaggerate. I mean, the reality is most of us make up stuff 90% of the time. Is that true? <laughs> Have you seen yourself when communion is being served, right? The pastor says, go ahead and take of the elements when you're ready. And you're sitting there waiting for everyone, you know, waiting. And everyone has taken the communion elements and you're sitting there, shoot, Deer in the headlights, what am I supposed to do so quickly? You're like, take it and sneak it. Like, what? I was, it's okay. It's okay. 
<laughs> anyway. So my wife smashed her knee. She was whining and complaining about it. So I thought, I need to do something about this. Anyway, I went and laid hands on, laid hands on her knee. I said, which knee, which knee is it? I laid hands on her and just felt God's presence. Just took my hand off and you just heard like a click sound. And she's like, oh my gosh. This is, oh my God, Jackson, you have no idea what, like, I have never been healed. Like, like that has never happened to me, ever, she says. About a week later, she hit it again. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't keep doing this all the time. <laughs> I laid hands on her. Took my hand away. I heard a click sound. Boom. It was back to normal again. Why did that work, but the other people that I've prayed for at times haven't? I don't know. <laughs> I am more comfortable with understanding that in some of these things there is a mystery, and I would rather just wait in the mystery. And thank God for sometimes I understand, sometimes I don't, but just, I would rather just rejoice in the mystery and have fun in the kingdom then think that I have some kind of a formula. And if I do A, B, and C, then God will do D, E, F. I, just, I, I don't see God responding to formulas like that. Because God is not found in a formula. <laughs> He's found in a person. Um, so I'm a fan of when God just moves and when he does things. And so I would say this, that after... <laughs> After years of wondering, Lord, why this, and why didn't this work out, and what, like what? I would say this, that the key, when you're going through things, when there's challenges, and the key to break through praying is we have, is we have to realize this, that God is an ever-present help, and our persistence is a must. And I'm not getting that out of my own wisdom, I'm getting that from Scripture, and we'll go there in a few minutes to a pa- passage of Scripture and look out... Look at this. But first of all, let's look what Jesus taught his disciples about praying. I'm interested in what Jesus taught his disciples about praying, aren't you? Okay, let's look at this. So Matthew 6, verses 5 to 13. He says this. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Why? They think that their prayers are being answered merely by repeating the words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Now hold on a second. I've heard people say, so I hope that, I hope you're not using prayer books, because that's what it's talking about here. Jesus is saying, don't use prayer books. You know that is the stupidest thing that I have ever heard in my entire life? Do you know that Jesus used a prayer book? It's called the Psalter. It has 150 chapters in it. And Jesus, when he prayed, he used the book of Psalms as a prayer book. I would recommend using Psalms in your prayer times for breakthrough praying. You know, when you look at the Psalms, the thing about them is they're really messy. Like there's the one Psalm that says, blessed is the man who dashes the, the, the babies of his enemy against the rocks. What? That's sick. Yeah, it's messed up. But somewhere right now, maybe in the Middle East or in some other country that's war-torn, someone is so angry at their enemies that they wish that they could just take the offspring of their enemy and, 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 and just 
infanticide them. And no, God's not into that. He's not cool with that. But God understands that we have emotions that we need to just go, and the rabbis used to say it like this, let your prayer fall on the ears of Yahweh and let it stay there. There's something therapeutic in praying through angry prayers, happy prayers, sad prayers, and they're all, you can find all of those throughout scripture and in the Psalms. So, so he's not saying don't use prayer books. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> what he's saying is don't think that God is up there with like a clicker, you know, you know, somebody at an event, we will have it if they're probably doing it right now or they did it already. Somebody goes around, they count and they click, right? So I think the, the imagery that Jesus is, is using there is he's saying God's not going, okay, 15 Hail Marys and 10 Our Fathers, and we'll see about getting you an answer. Okay, Our Father, partner, click. Hallowed be that. You know what I mean? He's, not, he's saying God's not like that. So don't be like those who think that if say, dear God, help me, dear God, help me, dear God, help me, dear God, help me. Was that enough, Lord? He's saying, don't be like that. Don't think, um, that because that's not how God is. So don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need before you ask him. Next slide. So then he goes on, and he says, pray like this, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. Some people have speculated, well, that's the first time that, you know, the, the concept of God being a father over those who would look to him as his children. It's not the only time or the first time in scripture that's used. It's used a handful of times in the Old Testament, but Jesus fleshes it out more. Understand something. A lot of times because we hear something many times over and over again, we forget its importance. Remember this, that Jesus is saying, when you pray, this is how I want you to relate to God, that God is a good father. Now, now you know, there's a passage of scripture where, where Jesus says, you, even you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does God know how to give good gifts to his children? Well, God is a good father, and, and he says, and his name should be kept holy. I think that what Jesus is doing there is he's teaching and saying, you know, there are images of God that are toxic. And, and you can get them from your upbringing. You can get them perhaps because of, you know, um, how your earthly father was. And you, maybe this morning you have a hard time seeing God as anything close to good or loving because your earthly father wasn't that way. Or perhaps this morning, you see God like a cosmic cop, and he's sitting there, you know, with a baton, and he's just waiting for you to step out of line, and as soon as you do it, he's going to beat you. Or maybe you see God like Zeus up on a cloud, and as soon as you do something wrong, he's going to just zap you with a lightning bolt. No, Jesus says his name must be kept holy because God is not a cosmic cop. He is not like Zeus. He is not two-faced. He is a good, good father. So, so Jesus says, may your name, pray this way, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. I want to encourage you today. If you see God because of your upbringing, perhaps your father on earth, your earthly father was never around. And so you struggle because you see God is distant. I want to tell you that he is as near and as close as the mention of his name. 
You know, God is not like a cosmic Santa Claus. <laughs> a lot of people seem to treat him like that. Well, I know he's making a list and he's checking it twice and he's going to find out who's naughty or nice, right? How were you this year? You think that like the Christmas review comes up, oh, I was little Johnny this year. Well, he was pretty bad, you know. <laughs> so when you go to God, you're kind of like thinking, I'm rolling the dice. I don't know what his response is going to be to me because I haven't been that good. <laughs> God's none of those things. He's not a traffic cop. He's not Zeus. He's not a Santa Claus. He's a good father. So, so, so don't get mixed up and allow toxic images or unhelpful images that perhaps have been ingrained through your lifetime or maybe been taught to you by bad teaching to to take away from the simplicity of the truth that God is a good, good father. I don't think I could spend too much time on this to understand this or for us to understand it. So he's a good father. When we petition him, As our Father, we are standing beside all of the saints and all of those who have served Christ before, and we look to him and say, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may it be kept different. Lord, you're not like the false gods who cause people to do all kinds of confusing things. You're you're not like any of that. You're a good Father. May your name be kept holy, Jesus says. And then he goes on and he says, pray like this. Pray, may your kingdom come. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So first of all, having taught them to address God as a father, as a good father, whose name is different. He's not like the other, the other gods that surrounded them. He's not into child sacrifice. He's not in any of those. He, he's a good father who wants to give good gifts to his kids. And then he says, this is the way I want you to pray. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you take this prayer and you just pray it every day, there's nothing wrong with that. Our brothers and sisters in the Orthodox traditions... I remember I had lunch with an Orthodox priest, and I said, we were actually at McDonald's. It was a super weird mix-up, and it happened to be Friday, and he had a fish fillet. And it was like, I feel like I'm in a living meme right now, you know? Um, and, and I said, well, I don't know how you guys pray the Orthodox. How do you pray? And he crossed himself, and you know that they cross, Catholics cross themselves this way, is that? No, the, anyway, with the, with the Catholics, it's a push. With the Orthodox, it's a pull. It's either a pull start or a push start. Anyway, he crossed himself. I'm not making fun of him. It's just a good way to remember it, right? And so anyway, he crossed himself, and then he prayed, Our Father, who art in heaven, and he prayed it over the meal. And I thought, well, that was original. You know, I thought he was going to come up with something amazing and mysterious. But even if you just pray that prayer as Jesus taught it, I think it would benefit you. But you can also break it down <clears throat> into a little bit of a, an outline for prayer and begin by saying, Father in heaven, yeah, you're God in heaven. You're a good father. Your name is kept holy. Lord, I know you're not like this. You're not like that. Lord, you're not tossed to and fro. There's no shadow of turning in you. You are light and you are life. And in you is the light of life. And then he goes on and says, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, let the domain of the king come to pass in the earth. And you pray, your kingdom come, let your will be done. You're seeing, Lord, 
Come and change the atmosphere around me. What is it like in heaven? Well, there's no tears in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven. None of those things. And so when you pray like that, you're praying, Lord, let the domain, let the rule and the reign of King Jesus come now into this situation, into this marriage, into this relationship, into this need, into whatever it is that you need God to break through and move. You're saying, Lord, let the domain of the king come and rule and reign here. And now, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then I remember years ago studying this in Bible college and a lot of the early scholars and church fathers said, well, it couldn't be possibly that he's just saying, thank you for food today. Like give us today our daily bread. That seems kind of fleshly, (laughs) kind of carnal. Oh yes, because God is uninterested in our needs. (laughs) But it can go for more than that. Lord, I thank you for daily bread, but I thank you, Lord, for the bread of your presence. You know that every day, it's symbolic, it's metaphorical, but just go with it. Every day there are fresh loaves that God bakes for us of his presence. And each day we can partake of his presence as we walk with him, as we talk with him, as we petition him. You, know, you can get up in the morning, you might be feeling a little bit spiritually empty and a little bit dry. You can get up in the morning and say, Father, may your name be kept holy. And let, Lord, let the domain of the king come. And Lord, give me today the bread of your presence, daily bread. I need sustenance. I need strength. I need spirit power. Lord, give me something today. And then he goes on and, and he talks about forgiveness and that is something that we could talk about for about 15 years. You know that if you choose not to forgive, there's an old saying, it's like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Choosing to hold on to a grudge, choosing to hold on to bitterness. If you're holding on to bitterness or a grudge, today is a wonderful day to let that go because it's just gonna make you sick. The person who hurt you, the person who offended you has probably forgotten about it and has moved on and doesn't even think about it. And you're holding on to it and it's just hurting you. You are locking yourself into a cage and you've got the key and you're wondering how can I get out of this misery? It's called forgiveness, let it go. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. Um, May your kingdom come. Okay. He goes on and he says, give us today our daily bread and then forgive us as we forgive. And Lord, don't let us yield to temptation. There's something about that just saying, Lord, help me today. You know, it, it speaks to the humanity of what it's like to be human. It's like, yeah, I just need your help. Forgive us and don't let us yield to temptation. So I want to say like this, regardless of what you've experienced before in prayer, I want to encourage you, faith is nothing more than just taking up a fighting spirit. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about a shield of faith, what do you, it says, take up the shield of faith so that you can, that the arrows of the enemy, they'll come. What, what does that mean? What is, how do you have, how do you take up a shield of faith? Well, what do you do with a shield? You hold on to it. Now, let me say to you today, no matter what arrows the enemy is flinging at you, 
And no matter what assaults are coming at you, you don't have to have fairy dust. You don't have to have magical powers. You don't have to have a spell or a formula. Or All you need to do is take that shield of faith and hold on to it. And that requires only that you just say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Be steadfast, my soul. Lord, I'll wait. It's in the waiting of you. You just hold on to faith. When you don't know what to do, just hold on to it. That's all you need to do. Say, I don't have strength. I can't move forward. I feel drained. I feel like, I feel like it's coming at me from all angles and I'm just overwhelmed. All you need to do is hold on to that shield of faith. Just hold on to it. Don't let it go. So let's deal with our wrong images of God. See him as a good father. And if you want to know what God is like, God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. Scripture says that he is the express image of the invisible God. In John's gospel, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you have seen the father. When we look at the Old Testament, they are shadows and types and they lean to, or sorry, they point at and they give us concepts and they give us ideas. But until we see what God, until we see Jesus come on the scene, I don't think we have a full revelation of what God is like. In Jesus, we see God being compassionate, going to the sick. In Jesus, we see God as the great physician. Sin being sickness, and Jesus coming as the great healer, as the physician, and healing our sickness. In Jesus, we see what God is like in that he would rather die by the hands of his enemies and turn the other cheek than reprimand and do some kind of a thing of power. In Jesus, we see what God is like that when Jesus entered into Jerusalem, he didn't come on a war horse like kings did in those days. He came on a donkey. In Jesus, we see what God is like. Here comes King Jesus. He comes into the earth and he's born under the scent of scandal to a teenage pregnancy. And there's no room for him in the inn. He's set in in, 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 in a, a, probably a cave and he, he's wrapped in, laid in a manger with swaddling cloths. In Jesus we see what God is like. And finally on the cross we see in Jesus what God is like as he is nailed to the cross. The cross is a tragedy. It is the murder of an innocent man by an angry mob. And in Jesus we see what God is like as he says, go ahead, nail me to the cross Put, put thorns in my brow, beat me, whip me, punch me, abuse me, yell at me. I still love you. And in his dying breath, before he said, it's finished, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That is what God is like. That is exactly what God is like. He is like Jesus on the cross, cruciform, pouring out love, offering forgiveness. Listen to me today. If you came and you thought, well, it's been a while since I've been to church. I guess I'm going to need, I guess I'm due for a good tongue lashing. You're not going to get one today. I'm here to tell you that he's a good father and that he loves you. His hand is on you. He's got a desire for your life. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. May his name be kept holy. God forbid that we should take up top, topic 
sorry, toxic images of abusive fathers and put them on our heavenly father. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good father. Okay, now I want to look at, in the moments we have left, I want to look at a, a parable that Jesus told his disciples and it's found in Luke 18. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Okay, this is good. So Jesus is into that. He's like, I don't want you to stop praying and I don't want you to give up. What's the first thing we do? We stop praying and we give up. (laughs) So he says, I want to teach you. (laughs) So here we go. There was a judge in a certain city. Now the thing about parables and about these stories is you can't stay static. Like you're sucked in. You're like, who am I in this story, right? That's the thing about metaphors. It's like, ah, I'm that person. I'm the man. So, so there was a judge in a certain city, and he, sa- he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow in that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman, come by, somebody, just like, have you ever wanted to just say this? You can, it's Father's Day, you can admit it, Right? This woman is driving me crazy. <laughs> this morning, I'm like, hi, sweetheart, uh, is the alarm set? Oh, yeah, it's set. Don't worry about it. Are you sure? Yes. And then I'm like, so, sweetheart, I think it's like 9.30. Um, are you sure you set the alarm? Yes, I set it for 8.30. Okay, well, it's now an hour and a half, and we are going to be late. I was tempted to say, this woman is driving me. No, I don't. so he says this woman is driving me crazy i'm going to see that i'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests i empathize with this judge on so many i'm just (laughs) i'm just joking sort of she's driving me crazy I'm going to see if she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? So I remember when I was younger, I'm still very young, um, but when I was even younger, I remember thinking, God is kind of a jerk, right? Like, as I was thinking, so Jesus says, learn from this parable. But it says, he doesn't say, I want you to learn because I want to tell you what God is like. He says, I want you to learn so that you don't give up and you keep praying. So let's be clear. He's not saying that God is super busy. So he's like, God is not an unjust judge. That's a toxic image of God. So he's saying, he's not saying God's like this. In fact, I think God is quite the opposite. He, he neither, this judge neither, neither, neither feared God nor cared for people. Well, I think God believes in himself and I think he cares about people. So that's a big difference. So it's not saying God's like that. He, what he's teaching is he's talking about persistence. And so, and so he, he's not one of all, so <clears throat> he, he <clears throat> even he rendered a just decision So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off 
I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But then Jesus ends this parable with like the coolest phrase, I think, when he says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find faith? How many will he find on the earth who have faith? So he's like, here's the point of this too, though. You need to have faith. The thing, you know, Jesus taught that faith was like a seed that goes into the ground. You know that a seed can be hundreds of years old, but it's still alive. I've heard, someone was telling me a few weeks ago about they undug some grave or some marker of some important person and there was seeds underneath and they planted these seeds hundreds of years later and the seeds still, after proper planting and watering and all that stuff, they still grew. And so you don't have to have a crazy amount of, Lord, if I just have enough faith, if I could just contort my face off. I used to go and know a guy like that. It's like, do you think that the more constipated looking you are, the more spiritual you are? Because that's kind of like the look you seem to be going for, you know? It's like, I don't know if you need breakthrough X-Lox or Metamucil, but, or maybe you need deliverance. Come out of him. I don't know. So he's saying, this isn't what God is like. Can you imagine this woman? And I, I want to just like, it's like this, Kate. So you have a need in your life. And, and there's something, and you're, you're saying, Lord, I need, Lord God, I need breakthrough here. And I felt like there was many, many, many this morning. You said, I need, I need God to break through. I need him to do it, because if he doesn't, I want to encourage you to be like that woman. Can you imagine that that woman, Jesus said, will, will he not listen to his chosen people who call out to him day and night? Listen to me. It doesn't matter what the situation is or how impossible it may seem. God is a God of breakthrough. He is a good father. And listen to me today. If you've come into here and you have no faith and you're, you're just, your heart has grown cold and maybe you just feel worn out and weak, I'm telling you that God wants to put a deposit in you. He wants to touch you. He wants to lift your head up. He wants to be your encourager. Listen to me. God's arm is not too short to save. He's not dull of hearing. He's not like this distant God who's far off and too busy to listen. He is as close as the mention of his name. All you need to say is Jesus I need your help we used to sing this song that said you don't even or you don't you don't even know how to pray it used to say you don't have to know how to pray all you have to know how to say is Jesus and it went on there's power in the name of Jesus I'm forever changed. Imagine that woman. I don't know what the situation was. Maybe she, had a, maybe she had an issue with one of her kids or something. She gets up in the morning and she goes and she goes to that judge's place and she knocks on the door and he's busy and he's like, leave me alone. And she says, listen, I need you to get justice. I need you to get justice. And she goes home. And he's like, this woman is annoying the snot out of me. I just, she just leave me alone. She's driving me crazy. And the next morning she goes up and she's like, listen, I need justice today. I need justice today. She goes home the next day and she's beginning to wear out this judge the next night. She comes, now she's coming twice a day. She's getting more serious about it. 
I need justice. I need justice. I need justice. Let me tell you, if that widow can be persistent like that for whatever situation, I want to encourage you that you can get up in the morning and you can knock on the doors of heaven and you can say, Lord, good morning. I need justice today, Lord. God, I need a breakthrough for this family member today. Lord, I need a breakthrough in my marriage today. Lord, give me, give me breakthrough today in Jesus' name. And then you know what? If he doesn't listen, go the next day. And the good news is, and then he says, will the son of man, when he returns, will he find people like that? I'll have the band come up. Will he find people like that who are people who are going to be persistent? You almost have to hear the spirit. Sometimes he just says, okay, (laughs) I'm in the waiting here. What I'm looking for you to do is just show some persistence. Show that you're hungry. Show that you want it. Get a hold of this thing like a dog on a bone and don't let it go. Hold on to it, especially if God has spoken and he said, listen, I have decreed breakthrough for your family. Stand with me this morning. How many of you today would say, you know, I could use that, that breakthrough. I could use where God would just show up somehow and move mightily. Come on, look at the hands that are going up. So many of us. Maybe it's something in your body. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something unspoken, the unspoken thing. I want to say that today I believe God wants to break through. And you hold on to that. And don't let it go. And don't let the voices of discouragement calm you down or just break you up. Don't allow fear of what might happen. Forget all of that garbage. And believe that God is a good father and he's on the throne and he's got a plan. I want to invite the prayer team to come up.